yeah, I, I struggled with that for, for a long time. I battled with that quite a bit. That was, that was for me, was, was absolutely class. Um, that was one of my big reasons to do it, you know, because I was a young fella. I never fulfilled what I wanted to do because I, I need time away from people. You know, and that's, that's, that's me. Other people are different. Other people crave that kind of stuff. But uh, it's like we'll have an early start at work. We start about 6, 6.15 in the morning and we finish there at that same time in the evening time, you know. So obviously a lot of, a lot of coaches over the years would really have struggled with that. I, I definitely did myself in, in, in the middle, genuinely in the middle. Um, Hello and welcome to the Offfield Rugby Pod. I'm your host Brian Moylet, former Irish age grade international player, now mindset and performance coach. I help players and teams all over the world overcome setbacks, play in the zone and achieve higher levels. On this podcast, I chat with people at the top level about their journey so that you can get their insights and hear what worked for them. You probably agree that you need to be strong mentally as well as physically, but most players don't know how to work on their mindset. My new book, The Book on How You Become a Pro Rugby Player, is like a gym program, but for your mental strength. In it, you'll learn how to instantly move on when you make mistakes in games, how to feel excited and confident on the field, and how to play in the zone. And it's available now on Amazon. Please subscribe to the pod wherever you're listening, and be sure to send it on some friends. Cheers. Hey, I hope you're keeping well. Today, I'm chatting with the Western Force forwards coach, Jimmy Duffy. Jimmy coached me back in the day in Connacht and he was over in Invercargill last weekend with the Force as they were playing the Highlanders. So I drove down to Invercargill for the weekend and a former Connacht 20s teammate of mine, Isaac O'Grady, was also living there. So I went down, visited Isaac and the night before the Force Highlanders game, met up with Jimmy in their team hotel and we had a chat and so towards the end of the podcast it was dinner time just outside so you might hear a little bit of background noise but I don't think it was too much. In the podcast we chat all things coaching and Jimmy's journey he talks about a random opportunity he got with Tonga Rugby, how he got the Western Force job, help that Joe Schmidt has given him in his career being an introvert as a coach versus being an extrovert, why he decided to retire from professional rugby age 23. He also chats about a time he started his own marketing company in the middle of his coaching career, and we chat about lots more besides. So here's episode number 86 with Jimmy Duffy. So how are you finding Perth and Australia in the move over? Yeah, loving it. I think it's... um. Instead of a, a 12 year old boy, he'd be tw- uh, 13 at the end of the month. Uh, my wife, loving the weather, said it's, it's so far removed from Galway this time of year. I think it's, it was snowing last report I heard back in Galway. So yeah, it's, um, it's been a really welcome change, like sunny every day nearly. It's rained once but for 20 minutes and then it was dry within <laughs> half an hour or so. Yeah, it's been fantastic. Really liked it. Yeah. And how did it come about? The um, I suppose, look, I, I'd been obviously worked with you many years back but I'd been in Irish rugby working in Irish rugby and Connacht rugby over and back since 2002 2003 I think um, and then a couple of years ago then just just really felt probably 
with a chat with with Andy Friend, who was brilliant at the time, and just kind of said, "Look, what are we doing? What are we? What's going to go on in in the next couple of years of the club?" And and I said, and I thought about it a wee bit, and then then um, really felt I needed something different. I've been in Ireland a long time, um, as I say since two thousand two, two thousand and three as a coach. Uh, worked with Irish rugby and then Connacht rugby, Irish rugby, Connacht rugby over and back in a number of different roles, and then. Um, yeah, so I took the jump and we were supposed to go somewhere else that didn't materialise at the very last minute and uh, was kind of cast into the unknown then. Um, so we'd kind of agreed to go somewhere else and then kind of last minute that didn't happen uh, for whatever reason. And then, so yeah, so life of a, a coach, pretty precarious. I was, I was uh, no job. Um, and at the beach one day I had a phone call, missed phone call from Australia and ended up working with Tonga. Um, just for the November tour, which was cool, or just having a, a, a look in their environment and did the Irish 20s thereafter. And then um, this position had kind of been bubbling along in the background. And, and uh, I spoke to Simon Cron, who's the head coach, a number of times, um, just about what the plans of the club were and really thorough process. Yeah, so I got the, the welcome call saying, Look, how do you fancy moving to Perth? And um, not too many Western coaches, I suppose, get a chance to, to come, come south and work in Super Rugby. So yeah, I jumped at the chance. So we were on the plane, supposed to be on the plane in September. We ended up at the end of October. Um, and having a look back, it's been great. Loved every second of it. Yeah, it's cool. It must, it must be quite different, Super Rugby versus up north, is it? Or? Yeah, they look, there are, like, rugby's rugby at the end of the day, I suppose. But the big difference is, number one, is be the length of the pre-season. Um, obviously, back home, it's it's you, you would come back in after the break. Generally, I know the season has slightly changed a wee bit now with the World Cup coming up. But... Um, be back in as a staff on the 25th 26th of June the players would arrive back around the 1st of July uh, you'd have a pre-season games at the end of August and you're off uh, September and all the way through, through till if you're in playoffs and, and, and knockouts and, and finals uh, June whereas here um, probably assemble in September and you have a long pre-season and the first game for us this year was the 23rd or 24th of February you know so 12-13 week pre-season lead-in um, and then the season starts in February, and the last, I suppose, game before the the knockouts is the third uh, of June, so March, April, May, June, so four months, done and dusted, and playoffs end up till I suppose end of June, and that's it. So the season is shorter, preseason is longer at home. Preseason is shorter, and the season is longer. So season at home is ten months, you know, nine months. So I suppose nine months of, of competitive games, and then six to eight weeks of of preseason. So that's that's quite different. That is different, you know. Um, like we're already at round four tomorrow. Um, we've a three-match tour here in New Zealand, so we'll play the Highlanders on Sunday and then um, play the Blues in Auckland and then we play uh, the Canes up in up in um, up north and that's that's the first block of games, six games done. I'm almost 50% of the way through the season, so it's it's over in a, in a flash. Yeah, it must be kind of hard keeping people engaged. Would it be for the pre-season at that length or how do you go about that? Um, look, I think probably number one is if they're, they're working really hard. They're great lads to work with. Um, staff are, are clued in, you know, and, and um, all doing it for the right reasons, which is fantastic. So very motivated staff, very kind of um, very driven to get the club where it needs to go. Um, and that, that was one of the major reasons, I suppose, that attracted me. It wasn't just an opportunity to work in Super. It was all the other stuff that uh, I suppose you need to be sure before you move your family halfway across the world. You know, you need to make sure that... Um, I suppose the people are ambitious and, and, and dialed into what, what you'd like to be part of and, and then you've got to find out if, if you fit that bill and, and, and can contribute in that environment. So 
that was that was the one thing that interesting. So there's no lack of motivation or desire or, or I suppose clarity around where we're going as a club. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of one of the big things that attracted me to the role and uh, having lengthy discussions with Simon kind of kind of tipped that well in well in the favour of of being here. You know, so. Um, it's not an issue really. I think that the lads are motivated and they're enjoying it. Once you're enjoying it, you can see it on faces. Um, you can see it on, on performances and the trainings. And uh, yeah, thanks. Thank God it's, it's it's going in the right direction. Yeah, good stuff. And what does an interview look like, or like an interview process for kind of professional coaches in general? Yeah, like, it varies. I've had quite a few over the years. You know, it varies. Um, like for me, it was very much around kind of uh, when I was or interviewing for this position around philosophy and. Um, looking in detail at, at probably key aspects of my role, which would be forward set piece, um, you know, from contact carries to clean outs to scrums to line outs to malls, your philosophy and all of those. And not alone that is, I suppose, your teaching philosophy. You know, how would you, uh, how would you get that message across the line to, um, to a group of players that are, I suppose, similar to ones that I've worked with in the past in terms of come from quite a large part of, of, uh, of, I suppose uh, guys from all around Australia and then a couple of foreign players as well so um, I suppose trying to gel that and make sure your teaching um, process is, is nailed on and make sure that you, you get the most out of the group and what so when you say like teaching I suppose coaching style is that, is that what you mean or like what, what's yeah I suppose like, you're always I suppose your philosophy will never change well sorry maybe slightly yeah. but how, how you get to the end result for me over the years is, is definitely um Depending on the group, I suppose we'll say you know you can have groups of high ability, groups of you know a young a young crew, um, and they're learning and, and look we're playing say give an example on the weekend the next three weeks we play against a lot of All Blacks, you know it's massive experience and and um, I suppose ability within those three t- next three teams that we play and uh, we have a relatively young squad um, and we have experienced players as well dotted in through that but it's quite a young squad so you're going to push push the barrier as much as you can and, and um, make sure that they're exposed to it and you only learn by doing you know and that's the big thing I think um, well, the great thing about youth is they're not, they're not afraid um, mm. you know you don't come with that extra baggage of that such and such you know you, you might be aware but I suppose you you can almost inherit those um, those frailties kind of as you go through your career but uh, and you get and you lose them again towards the back end of it you know so it's um yeah it's interesting so there's there's some really really good young talent in the group and uh they're quite driven and looking forward to where their careers are going to develop in the next you know, five ten twelve years time mm. and is that so like then where you're talking about like how you get across to like say drills versus games or like how much you talk or how much it'd be player led or kind of like all those kind of things and then you're saying like the age of the team is a big has a big influence on that like you mm. know how much kind of teaching you have to do versus if you've all guys who are 30 years old you probably don't have to do as much yeah I suppose look number one is we, connection is the biggest thing you know so I suppose trying to connect with the player you know to, to find out like some guys who say even if they are young in years may have brilliant brilliant rugby brain mm. um, for me it's always like each person trying to, trying to take each person um, you know completely separate from the group you'll have a group dynamic that you try and tap into as well if there's an area of expertise within the group um, like the three front rows we have starting on the, on Sunday um, are all international players you know so um, you'd be foolish to to try and over to over talk that you know you're kind of going there's massive expertise around the scrum you just kind of you know you're trying to elicit kind of conversations I suppose as opposed to anything else if you have a young number six or a young back row or second row sorry um, you're trying to teach them and sometimes they will not have seen the pictures that you've seen over the years and uh, you know step by step you try and expose them to a little bit of that and always 
say lineup color is a big one you know they said you never really see a good lineup color until after they've hit the fog which is like a really pressure situation where they've lost a number of balls or you know something isn't going right and they've got to figure out a solution on the field um, yeah so look it's varied approaches for the group you try and give a, a collective that they'll all buy into but um yeah very much you'd be foolish to to not lean on the, the experience of the ones that have it um and make sure that they're passing on the knowledge to the younger kids as well which is which is crucial so look it's a very collaborative environment um at the moment and then it's um long may continue yeah good stuff and when you mentioned earlier about like bouncing between say roles like over the years with the rfu and connacht and so what was that just different opportunities came up and yeah well like i suppose like i had come through the school system and and um ended up in the pro game pretty quickly i was it was amateur and pro from 95 was it 94 or 95 i can't remember yeah. turned professional and i i was i suppose finishing school that year so the following year was um I suppose the what was the old I don't know it was called the foundation it was it was like the old academy uh, system so get like a training contract and you're in with the pros um, so 18 years of age and then the following year development and professional contract so my career was about three years before I had to finish um, for medical reasons and then so I was kind of cast out I don't know what to do necessarily so I was in college which was great um, but yeah I kind of stepped away from the game for a period of time and then ended up back coaching quite young so I was I was a young coach. I was maybe twenty three, I think, when I started coaching, um, which was diff- different. And um, I was coaching some of the guys that were still older than me, you know. So um, yeah, that was that was a steep learning curve. But for me, it was all about um, looking back in terms of my philosophy was how did I respond best to certain coaches and what worked for me. Um, and I very much try and steer it that way if I possibly can, you know, as to go. Um, I try and model my style on what worked for me, I suppose, and then you have to be able to flick in and out of the other styles as well, because certain people need different kind of different sparks, I suppose, you know. So the ones that like to be left alone, fine, but that's more conversational based. The guys who need a a bit more, you can give that as well. So, uh, but you only learn that over time. You, know, you learn through, I suppose, failing numbers number of times. Um, yeah, but for me, it was just, I suppose, be pretty consistent around the individual contact, and then. Uh, acknowledge when there is expertise within that group and make sure that you 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 foster that as much as you can yeah and what was your first gig or where did you start coaching when you were 23 uh, oh god it was a long time uh Orleans boys club which would be olbc which is a small junior club in, in Galway. my dad used to play with them um so yeah so a neighbor of of ours kind of and uh i don't know would you remember mick Grealish? Yeah. Mick Grealish is one of the guys but look it won't replace playing but it'll be pretty close if you want to give it a go and uh I gave it a go and yeah, it was it was pretty rewarding and so I ended up in kind of schools, All Ireland League and then a, a position came up pretty quickly actually with um with the RFU as a development officer. So ended up in that role. The development officer role at the time was a lot of everything because I was coach ed and you know, club development and a bit of on field coaching and age grade coaching and um you bounce around between the roles. So I worked in the academy system, you do some national representation, you work in the provincial system, um elite player officer coach development officer, rugby development officer, the titles kept changing, but the roles were slightly different. Um, and you worked with a lot of age grade teams, provincial and, and international teams as well. So it was it was um, a great education for a young man, you know, and uh, I loved every second of it. It was very different. Um, obviously, I really struggled when I had to go back to the real world, you know, to work in an office environment, which I did for a couple of years. But um, I loved that kind of flexibility and difference in the role. It's, it was something that... Um, 
it's why I'm still coaching today. It's just no two days are ever the same. You try and get as routine as you possibly can, but there's always a different challenge or something to to work towards, you know. So um, it keeps you alive pretty pretty quick, you know. It's tiring, but it keeps you alive, you know, and I love doing it. So I sense that the second that changes, then I'll change. Yeah, I saw that on your LinkedIn. It was like three years at the RDO, and then you went into a marketing company. Yeah, I started my own business. I suppose it was, things were going pretty well at the time, and then the recession hit. So, uh, yeah, that was... Um, Look, it's something I studied business back in back in college and marketing. Um, wasn't for me, you know. I said I did it for a couple of years. It was going pretty well, but uh, I suppose number one, it was at back end of the crash. Um, and then I had another opportunity to come back into. Um, I think it was coaching again. I think I can't remember where I was. I've gone back in years now, but um, yeah, I was back into coaching pretty quickly. Club and then into Irish rugby again. Um, so yeah, so look, it's been been a brilliant education and. I love I love doing what I do. It's, it's um it keeps you it keeps you young, you know, working with, with players like uh they keep you on your toes and there's always a new challenge and that's why I'm I'm here. I suppose I needed something different to be out of out of Ireland and challenge myself and uh yeah, I haven't haven't looked back, it's been fantastic. Yeah, good stuff. And what um what was the marketing or what was that how was that or setting up your own um company? Like I kind of I've always kind of had that as an idea down the line to, to, to be my own boss I suppose you kind of are really just to an extent as a coach you work yeah. with people but um, you're responsible for an area and you've got to make sure that that runs right and uh, there will be challenges over time and yeah so a lot of similarities between the two but yeah it kind of came out of it was bubbling away and um, like that I kind of got a little bit itchy feet at the time and, and took a jump it was going brilliantly and then yeah. I suppose the, the recession worldwide hit and um Marketing, advertising was one of the first things to go, so people just stopped spending money, and that was life. Um, so yeah, so back into uh, in the world of sport again, and yeah, haven't looked back, haven't 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 jumped out of it since. Yeah, I think yeah, you would have went back because that's around twenty ten when I was there, or when I was around there, and you would have been there. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, and what um, what would you t- say to yourself back then? So like what you know now, what if you were to chat to yourself back when? say 2010 or around that time when you were a young coach yeah I suppose, look I think I, probably the fact that I expected to play for a lot longer I was I was new to rugby when I came out of school I was, played a lot of soccer and Gaelic football and um, I didn't really know what I was doing uh, even to the point of when I was a professional I hadn't looking back now I, d- I don't really know if I knew anything about the game um, it was all based on even <laughs> feel kind of feel even how I ended up like uh, when I think my first session was like where do you play and I said well, I play in the backs and thinking the backs was the same as a soccer or a Gaelic football team and then like. I ended up yeah kicking so I used to kick <laughs> so that was it so I, I had no uh, I couldn't differentiate between the two so you go through that I was contracted at that time you know so I didn't really know what I was doing but uh, I think ignorance can be great sometimes it can genuinely be great um, what would I say to myself I just think the fact that it, I suppose that I was young, I didn't really have a plan, you know, whereas if I played for 10 or 12 years as a pro, maybe um, I may have considered it as a career, you know. Um, I like to think about the game or any game that I played a lot. Um, that would be a trade of mine. I just overthink sometimes, you know, you kind of picture, review, picture, review, and then try and get, a, get ahead of stuff. But um, uh, I suppose what I've chosen as a career, I don't know. I don't know. I think I was just kind of cast aside. I was... I said that my neighbour and uh, and a friend um, asked me to jump into it as a young man, and I got a real kick out of it straight away, helping people. Um, you know what? Uh, 
I could relate to the players, I suppose, the younger ones that I was, that I was there and I found out what worked for me as a, as a player um, and try and adopt that into my own style as much as possible. And you have to be able to flick between the, the styles and be a little bit more hard, hard case at times. But um, an awful lot when, when people want to work with you and get better, that's easy. That is genuinely easy. And I think um, you try and find, find that out through the relationship early doors. Um, does this person genuinely want to get better? Do they want to be helped? And can you help them? Sometimes you can't. Sometimes you go, right there's not a lot we can get out of each other I suppose as such you know but then you just be professional thereafter you know so yeah um, doing it 25, 26 years now at this stage so we've seen a fair bit we're still learning every day you know so it's still the still situations that um, that'll stump you but then you've got a lot of great people around us that uh, you can lean on and good mentors that you can pick up the phone to and uh, and discuss discuss a problem with if you have one yeah, and so would you have a few mentors now, like coaches, other coaches that you'd just kind of chat to? Yeah, there would be, like, I suppose, there'd be a couple of guys you'd speak to on technical stuff, but it's it's not necessarily the technical ones that, that you get a lot out of, for me anyway. Um, just someone to, to to have a chat with, you know? Sometimes that's that's a big thing. It'd be, as a coach, I suppose, you can, like, you love doing most, I said nearly everybody that I've worked with love doing it. Um but yeah, it can, it can consume you. Like it's 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 all it's like we'll have an early start at work. We start about six six fifteen in the morning and we finish there at that same time in the evening time. You know, so you kind of you do long days, um, but you wouldn't do it if you didn't love it. And that's it. So you're always trying to work your way around kind of problems and solutions, problems and solutions, and, and try and for uh, foresee the future a little bit and try and try and get ahead of the game. But um, yeah, for me, just people that I've that I kind of respect over the years that that. Um, they just be good for advice and vice versa. They might pick up the phone to you and just ask you, have you ever come across something like this? And uh, I think in any walk of life, that's that's crucial. Um, because you can go into yourself a wee bit as a coach. You can, especially if your area isn't going very particularly well for whatever reasons. Um, you know, it's, it's it's imperative that you have an outlay of some way, you know, something just to change, change the picture, change the picture, you know. Um, but it can, it can consume you. I'd say in Europe, it's... Long, long, long seasons, you know, 20, I suppose in France and England, they have 24, 26 domestic games before playoffs, pre-season games, mm. and Europe. Uh, the URC, where I was, there used to be 24 domestic odd games, 22. Um, it's been reduced down, I think, a little bit at the moment, um, so to kind of correlate with the international window, but um, yeah, there was always 30, 30 something weeks of 35 weeks of, of, of competitive games, which is, it can be taxing. You know, it can be taxing. Yes, yeah, true. And I think in, in in kind of a lot of uh, different jobs or whatever, you can get so consumed in it and, and not take five steps back and just chill and just breathe the air and, like, <laughs> and look and, you know, be objective, you know. Mm. Um, for sure, I think it's, it's something that can happen and it's, uh, yeah, it's challenging. Yeah, like, and it is, like, it is. You just need to. It's something I was never great at, stepping back a wee bit. I've tried to... I do, I'm aware of it now. I'm aware of kind of the triggers. You're going, all right, you need a break. You need to stop. You need to go. Um, and, you know, the, the the coaching staff I work with, I mean, as Chrono's brilliant. You know, he'll he get that straight away. Like, you don't even have to, you just, just need to not be around people for a wee bit. Um, it's mm. funny because a lot of the coaches, I would know, would be quite introverted. But it's an extroverted profession, if that makes sense. So you have to spend a lot of time thinking about your craft and how you're going to set stuff up and you have personalities and, you know, the whole dynamic, you might have injuries, whatever it is. But um, so a lot of the coaches would ruminate that I would know after the fact, you know, so the time on the way home is where they process the day. But 
you're constantly giving throughout the day. So you might be, I don't know how many hundred interactions you have during the day from, let's say, 6.15 start or 7 o'clock start to the first meeting where you're presenting something and one-on-ones and pitch time and talking, talking, talking. So that's something. So I can be quite introverted. Um, so I know I need time away from people. You know, and that's, that's, that's me. Other people are different. Other people crave that kind of stuff. But... Uh, I have a certain amount of currency, social currency I can give out. And after that, I'm, I'm useless to everybody, you know. So um, for me, I have to be aware of that. I have to be aware of, of at what point did you say enough's enough and stop and just take a bit of time to reflect and uh, freshen up and get back in the following day again. So um, it's constant work on for me, constant. Yeah, it's funny. I uh, resonates a lot with me. I feel I'm very, very similar in that I love coaching. I love being on the field and around players, but it takes a lot. Like, it's like performing in a sense. It's kind of like, you know, you're playing and then you'd be a bit, if you're around people, I find if I'm around people a lot, then I'm drained after. Like, I could spend a day, two days, three days on my own or, you know, like just spend a lot of time on my own and I'm all good with that. But then I was talking to a mentor recently and just like... um, you know, connecting with people is a big, very important part of coaching, which something which I'm pretty comfortable with, but could be better. You know, just highlight it, it could be better. And like a challenge for me then is, uh, or what I found was to, or what we came to was to be hanging around more before and after. Mm. You know, it's like after games in the club rooms, like I don't really drink anymore, but just to be around and to be there for a couple hours or even before training, be there early and just to chat with people. And like, yeah, that's, I'm not as comfortable in those environments but yeah. that's something that kind of is important to an extent you got to weigh you know you got to get the balance of that yeah look, look i think it's the connection piece is one definitely but yeah like being able to i suppose you, you have to be yourself but as you say you're you can be performing so i heard a great one a couple of years ago was sometimes it's like being um especially when you're presenting you know new stuff or old stuff or reviewing stuff you know you're like it's like a concert you know and like someone's at your last concert said it was brilliant and then you have a glitch in the next one and the last person to see it just thinks you're rubbish you know so you've got to constantly be on your toes i suppose and then open to the fact that you will make mistakes um probably being a younger coach when i started early doors you can be pretty hard on yourself um you know and it is i think you're always striving for perfection in in your craft but um it's important to not let that kind of squash you either um, you know, because you can go home after a bad presentation or something that you you wanted to sell a message and maybe didn't quite get it right. And um, the best ones are the guys who can just flick that. You know, I've learned some of some really really great coaches, and uh, they're really good at that. They can mask it really well. And you know, um, but yeah, that is something that I suppose it's not taught. You got to learn it. You got to probably got to fail to and recognize and go all right. How, what's my solution when this does happen again? Um, but yeah, over time you become quite quite adaptive and you know quite quick to to roll past it and um but it is that is a big thing i think especially with, with coaching is just making sure that you have your fresh whether that's upstairs or body mind whatever it is just try and be as fresh as you possibly can it, it pays dividends it genuinely does yeah and that uh, that like it must be hard because like you work long hours but then like you say you have to you have to be energetic like you have to have energy you can't just be drained all the time like you're you're no good like no one's any good if they're just drained and they're just like zombies so it's yeah it's yeah that's hard so what do you find things outside of it or just understand what your things are it's like oh i'm getting a bit tired here i'm getting i need to get away and do mm. something else or yeah just like, like I, I love love the job i love the craft um but yeah i can you know you, you I suppose it becomes like a hamster wheel you, you 
it's game, I suppose, preview, review, train, fix. And that becomes the same cycle over and over and over. And we all love doing it. But um, loving doing it and having the energy to do it all the time is something, I suppose, that um, I've seen a lot, of, a lot of coaches over the years would really have struggled with that. I, I definitely did myself in, in, in the middle, genuinely in the middle. Um, I suppose not so much when I was a younger coach, but uh, when I kind of became aware of what I was doing as a career and really focused on it, then it was like, yeah, it can be really consuming, you know, because you want to do well. You want the players you work with to do well. Um, keep going back to your why. Like for me, I got a massive kick out of fellas playing for Ireland at the time. That was that was that was enormous, you know, to see young fellas that he had worked in the academy with come through and then put on an Irish jersey. That was and not alone that win in an Irish jersey. That was that was for me was was absolutely class. Um, that was one of my big reasons to do it, you know, because I was a young fella. I never fulfilled what I wanted to do because I retired at 21. Um, so that was a big driver for me. Um, just making sure it was theirs as well, not my not my drive. The yeah. first time I was just happy to facilitate, I suppose, was the biggest thing. Um, but yeah, I got a massive kick out of that over the years. Still do, still do. Yeah, and you had a good few, like um, Half, Alton, Finley, yeah. Forwards. Yeah, there was quite a, quite a few in the end, but um, yeah, there's, it's brilliant to see them, you know. So you'd, uh, guys, you mentioned it's... It, it's lovely to see them go through. Like I suppose a lot of the boys you would have played with as well, yeah. Marmo and Robbie and you know there Jack, was yeah. Jack Harty. You know it's it's it gives everybody around the group a lift as well. You know so people see that it's it, it's attainable. You know this is someone from my local club um, in the west of Ireland that has now gone on and played at the highest level. And you're like well not alone that gone on the highest level and won. You know um, like you mentioned Finlay and Alton they were involved in Chicago when Ireland played the All Blacks and beat them for the first time. Mm. You know so. Um, like they're massively proud days for the club, for those people's families, but for you as a coach to, to have played a little part in it, um, it was just fantastic to see the lads doing well. Um, you know, you still still keep in touch with a lot of them. You know, and it's uh, that's a it's quite a cool career in that regard. You know, keeps you keeps you young and fresh in that regard. You're still in contact with with, uh, with people in the the prime of their health who are who are achieving great things, which is cool. Yeah, really cool. And is there any way of like? I don't know, looking or understanding how to kind of push different players' buttons or how to, you know, because every, cause it's people at the end of the day, everyone's different, but I um, mean, like, how you, like, just you say there, like, so a young fella at 18 and bringing them through and then at 25, they, whatever, peak, but um, everyone, I'm sure, like, people are different, you know, like, how mm. you talk to one to be different to the other. Yeah, very much so. Look, I think, I suppose, we would, I would have seen... For coach, after coaching for quite a long while you would have seen a lot of people who had ability who never made it to that level now, and that's that's really important too that you don't try and you always want people with ability to, to come through but if the will to be better in that craft isn't within them you may be able to elicit it in some, some capacity but um, generally self-drive is the, the best and sometimes it can happen by accident because they're quite young obviously you know you come through an academy I think if I'm not the last time I read um it's actually Aidan O'Flynn that worked with, still working in Connacht. Um, I think it's, it's 26, the male brain starts to mature. You know, so yeah. this, that's an interesting thing you're kind of going to see if a guy who's 21 years of age who may have all the talent and the ability in the world um, and he's five years off his brain maturing, which is, mm. I don't know how, how um, when, when I remember hearing that from Aidan in a presentation, I was going to, I took a, took a long while to, uh, to sit back and go, well, I'm working with young men from, 18 to 35 years of age like and some of them I would say 60-70% of them are below that threshold of age and um, so that's an interesting so you don't cast what you want onto them um, 
you know that they're there because they have ability, um, you know, talent gets you in the door, the attitude and the application determine how well and how far, you know, and that's, that's something I'm always consciously aware of is try and work with people that want to get better um, as much as you possibly can. You know, people are, you've played with them as well, you know. <laughs> you've coached them with genuinely ridiculous talent, but maybe it's not their reason and you've got to make sure that, um, that they're not negating the fact that it could be, they just haven't discovered it yet. Once you kind of decipher if that's true, then you can help. You know, but they have to want want to do that or at least enjoy part of the process or all of it if they can. Yeah, it must be hard. And yeah, I've seen like I've seen the guys who are just so driven and determined and they're obviously and I've I've coached people like that and it's just so easy because mm. they just want more and more and more. But it must be difficult like in, in professional environments seeing guys with just so much talent and you're just like, Oh, I wish you would just want it more, like, you know, because yeah. you 'cause you can go to here. Yeah. Like the, it's interesting because there's one guy that pops to mind. I won't mention his name now, but um, like he's he's played international, and uh, for a long while we really battled to try and get him in into the program. Battled and um, well, a very successful player now. It's amazing though. But you know that just for whatever reason that wasn't his thing at that time. Obviously, when he was on the pitch, amazing, absolutely amazing. But uh, I suppose the drive at the beginning or other projects that were kind of taking up um, his attention and that was that was really important um, we tried as much as we possibly can I suppose the, the, the easy thing with that situation was that you could easily see he loved it but didn't love the process of getting to where he could in terms of his full potential whereas you'd have other guys maybe didn't have a fraction of the ability who were at every training session and asking for more and delivering more all the time and uh yeah, that's there's quite a cool buzz in that too, though. Once once you kind of you're not trying to make someone love something they don't, uh, you can genuinely see the love was there in the first place for the craft. And then um, yeah, once they kind of find it, then I remember he spoke to me a couple of couple of months back actually before I came over here and said, um, "God, I wasted a couple of years there, didn't I?" I said, "Well, maybe, but now you're very successful. Mm -hmm. I don't know if, if you call it waste. It's just learning." Um, but yeah, that's. That's an interesting one. Like, the countries are littered with talent that just didn't have whatever reason, did not want, that wasn't where they wanted to be. And you'd meet the odd guy then down the line who'd come and say, I blew it, didn't I? And you go, yeah, you did. And they would probably find out too late that they didn't uh, give themselves the best shot at it. Um, and you're going, well, you had the ability, but you didn't have the work ethic. And the work ethic is one thing that will get you to great heights, genuinely. Um, may not have all the ability in the world, but the work ethic, the work ethic is a talent for me. Um, the more you, the longer you're at this, you're going like people that genuinely want to get better and find out the best mentors and the best ways of doing it. The very successful careers. Hundred percent. And I think as well as that resilience, or like being able to have setbacks and keep working and keep pushing forward. You know, because there's there's going there's so many setbacks. Massive. I suppose. Look at you. Take anything from injury to selection to you know. Um, a coach that you as a player might be getting on with and then he moves all of a sudden the new coach comes in and you're not flavour of the month there's so mm. many little things that um, that can I suppose give you a bump in the road but the biggest thing is to stay on course you know as have an idea of where you want to get to it's, it's hard for a young person to go I want to be this some people have it very mm. early um, in their careers I've worked with some players like that who will tell you hey, I want to play for my country I want to play for Ireland or I want to play for Australia or whatever it is and you go great okay where are you at and then you kind of assess how realistic is their perception of where they are now and then probably f try and fill in the gaps there and then 
help them negotiate the path, I suppose, to uh, to achieve that goal as well. You know, so it can take a, it's a long time. You know, and as humans, we'd like to we like to mm. think that's, that's tangible and quick. And it's it's quite hard to go. Well, I'm I'm going there, but without taking what's on offer shorthand. You know, so um, that's a that's a cool challenge. I suppose I'm 46 now, so you get um, you've seen quite a few of them, and you can try and help those people in in the best way possible. So, look, I'm I'm. I was disappointed I had to end playing so early, but uh, looking back now, I'm quite happy that I've had a long coaching career at, at a young age, you know, so that's um, that's quite cool too. Yeah, and why did you have to stop playing? Uh, I suspected heart issue, um, so I can't remember, there was quite a few sudden deaths at the time. Um, globally, I suppose in basketball and soccer, there was a couple, and then, um, yeah, so having a routine ECG, uh, just discovered I had... Uh, in a regular ECG, that was the one test. All the other tests proved to be fine, but I think the technology at the time wasn't there to to um, diagnose it fully. But uh, it, it, the suspected condition was quite serious, so it was like right, refrain from all strenuous physical activity and um, definitely professional sport. So I, I pleaded to try and kind of play amateur, but the case was, are you going to try any less playing amateur sport? No. They were like, no, not not so much. So they were like, right, you wipe that, and then. Um, yeah, subsequently retested again, so life as normal. So, um, bit of a killer finding out down the line, twenty-something years, that uh, it wasn't what you thought it was. But um, yeah, I, I struggled with that for for a long time. I battled with that quite a bit. Um, but I suppose now it's it's formed me, it's molded me in terms of like um, you see opportunities quick. Um, you know, you kind of go, well, I got to jump on this now because this is this is fantastic. This is an opportunity that I, I love doing. Um, and get away from the worry, get away from the negative kind of thoughts. Go, look, this could be cool for me and my family. Um, jump on it as quick as I can, you know. 100%. I think that's so important, like you mentioned there, about not uh, getting away from the worry. And uh, I've just realized myself recently, like, that does nothing for you. No. You know, like, nothing. Like, like when you're weighing up anything, the worry, like, worrying about anything does nothing for you. Mm. You know, no matter what it is, like, it literally holds no value. Whereas, I don't know, when I was younger, certainly, I'd like, worrying about stuff and then I'd let that I'd let that uh, influence me mm. you know versus it literally you know is yeah. just negative 100% and look at it <laughs> it is it is one of my big work-ons for life like I'm always trying to look around the corner always um, it actually helps you in the coaching to be honest with you you're looking at stuff that can mm. that can hurt um, that can hurt your team hurt your area um, true and you're trying so that's that's beneficial in that regard but it, it can consume you too you know you can um You'd see some players that, that that would just like ruminate about stuff that is genuinely not important. However, it's that person's battle; it's not yours. So you would go, mm. "Don't worry about that," and that's that's really hard to do. Like people say, "Oh, yeah. like believe in yourself," and in some cases that takes a long <coughs> time to develop. You know, whereas I suppose um, one that served me well in the last few years is uh, like just stick to your process. Um, and the belief will come out of the process, you know, and, and, you know, you would say like, well, how do you develop self-belief? Like, it takes time. It genuinely takes mm. time. You've got to prove to yourself in competitive situations that you can do it. Um, when things become habitual, then you're fine. But uh, when you get your quiet moments, as you say, you'll, you'll end up back in the what if or this could, that could. Or you're like, it is literally exhausting, you know, and... Um, so yeah, so fair experience in that in that realm over the years, and uh, so you can kind of spot it in young players or in any player, to be honest with you, uh, some very accomplished ones, and they just need a lot of reassurance. Um, 
But for me, it's just like get back to your roadmap. If you follow the roadmap, that you tweak it, adjust it, um, get advice from really good people that want to help you. Um, you won't go too far on. You genuinely won't go too far on. Um, and if you're getting as close to perfect as you possibly can, you'll never get there, but as close to it mm. as you possibly can and strive for it, then good things will happen, I suppose. Yeah. And when you say roadmap there, do you kind of um, look forward to kind of where you want to be in a certain amount of time or what, what do you mean yeah, by that? Yeah, I used to be, look, I, as a kid, I wanted to play professional soccer and that was kind of looking like a possibility, but then the professional rugby came out. So I wanted to play professional sport um, and that was it and uh, played the highest level and then the professional, I suppose, playing was taken away in either realm. Um, and then it was like, what am I going to do next? I literally had no idea what I wanted to do next. Mm. And um, yeah, part-time jobs while I was going through college and the usual, like trying to figure out what what I wanted to do and then ended up coaching quite young. Um, but that was just... There was no plan there for coaching, none. Um, and uh, I suppose then I got quite driven in terms of plan where I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. I suppose when I was in my late 20s, early 30s, and then um, then you realise how, I suppose, precarious the position is. You know, you, you may get a job, you may not get a job, your profile may not be one thing. Um, to get you recognised, you may not have a contact. There's so many variables, and there's quite a few jobs, you know. So there's only whatever I don't know what's in the URC now. Is it 18 teams? 16 teams? Yeah. Uh, France is 14 in the top division. Obviously, Pro D does is different. Um, you need to speak French. I speak a bit, okay. yeah, yeah. Okay. So I kind of I've dropped it, but um, yeah. So if like, there's not a lot super rugby, you know. There's, there's probably about 54 it's coaches in the world, yeah. Top level, yeah. Sorry, in the, in the in the kind of pro team game, and then yeah. and then you're talking about international size, yeah. As well. And you kind of think of that in terms of narrowing a career. I mean, a lot of people go, yeah, I want to get into coaching. It's fantastic, good luck, like genuinely, because it is, it's quite challenging as you mentioned I don't know what the factor but it's probably about 60 jobs yeah <laughs> 60 forwards 60 defence 60 head 60 attack and a couple of director of rugby jobs yeah. um, for the clubs that have the money but there's not a lot and uh, it doesn't mean that you're something I probably battled with when um, going for jobs when I was yeah, I was a young coach I suppose so people kind of go well, yeah he has a bit of experience but um, he's really young you know and that, that's that's a bit of a challenge too because um 60 positions worldwide you know if you're um, in IT or you're an accountant there's 60 positions within 5k of you yeah you know so it's it's quite um, I don't want that to put anybody off going that, down, down that route if you genuinely love it you'll find it you'll find it um, but yeah there's not a lot there's not a lot of professional opportunities at the top level it's yeah. hard to get in but um, like Ken mentioned earlier about keeps you younger but uh you know that's one side of it but the other side is you got to be the best version of you and you got to work hard and because i you know like those other jobs i worked in finance for a couple of years and it's just like you just go through the motions it's, it's difficult to get yourself up for it yeah to be the best version of you I, i've found and i think a lot of people do so it's like look it's worth it yeah it's 100 like it's like you, you know fairly early on if you if you genuinely love something or not you know yeah like worst case scenario you'll li you like it but you can figure out the people straight away that don't you know in, in any craft you're like probably time they <laughs> you found something else you know because um, yeah. people can read you very quickly because it's it's an emotive position I suppose process driven but quite emotive in terms of winning and loss and challenge and competition so there's a whole range of stuff um, 
but yeah, yeah, it's 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 hard to hide that if you're if you're not fully engaged. How did you find the Tongan uh, stint? Um, it was brilliant. Look, I said uh, I was I was at the beach trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life, you know, and uh, the phone rang and. I was like Australia and I was going well that's a wind up anyway so hit delete or decline <laughs> and it rang again same number I said very seldom does the prank the exact come, same come number, again the exact yeah. same number so I answered it and uh, it was Totai Kefu um, and he said like look we hear you're you're free and available um, we got your number off uh, I think it might have been Joe Joe Schmidt that put, put me forward and said we hear you you're between two Two stools and would you be keen? And um, we're coming on a tour of the Northern Hemisphere, so it was uh, Scotland and Murrayfield, England and Twickenham, uh, French Babas and um, Romania at the back end. But uh, culturally fantastic experience and um, absolutely brilliant people, like so warm and um, it was it was just it was so different to what I'd been used to, I suppose, in the Irish system. Genuinely, um, like the Irish system had been kind of bubbling along for 25 years or so you know and uh, a lot of talent started to come through and then Ireland started to become successful but a lot it takes time it genuinely it takes time and it takes concerted effort and with, a, with a real plan and um, this is a lot of Irish people working at the top level around the world and being successful now so it's fantastic but it was really different culturally just really different very warm people um, very religious you know so you got things like start the day with a Lotu, as I would call it, just like a singing hymns, um, pray, you know, and then get into the rugby and and into the pray eat, and it was um, it was so far removed from what I'd been mm. used to, you know, very regimented kind of uh, structured system, and um, it was great people, and I've made made friends for life out of it, you know. So um, yeah, to play in Murrayfield and Twickenham, and we played in Leon as well with the the Babas, it was um, it was awesome. It was a really awesome experience. And when you go into like that setup, it was was it kind of short? Always going to be kind of a short term, or yeah, like there had been opportunities up until that point. But um, <clears throat> it's funny, as I suppose, of course, it was my first time. I say not having. So we, we thought we, we thought we were going into a position. Um, yeah, kind of changed my focus over the years. I said I said it was very driven in terms of when I was kind of late twenties, early thirties, around. I want to be this by this by this. Yeah, and that. Seldom happens. It yeah. seldom happens. Um, yeah. Some some very lucky people have that kind of career path. Generally, the ones that come out of the game with huge profile, um, and the profile opens doors for people. But uh, um, I played for a tiny, yeah. tiny window. Um, so y you don't retire from the game with all that 10, 12 year no. credit in the bank of people knowing who you are. So um, from finishing that to being a 23 year old, 24 year old coach starting off, I had no plan. And then you kind of have a wee bit of success and you do well. And all of a sudden you go, this could be something for, for life. I suppose as a young 20 or something year old, you don't really have a roadmap. Or I didn't. I had in terms of playing, but not in terms of coaching. Mm. And um, yeah, then I got quite laser focused on it. And then things didn't happen. You can get quite frustrated. Mm. Um, and then I just stopped worrying about it and just got on with the job. And then um, opportunities kept coming up all over the time. But Irish rugby was a great place to be. You could see things were happening in the right ways in our own club my old club Connacht um, just phenomenal people you really really I was um, made a joy going to work every day like um, everybody was involved for, for the right reason and that's that's hard to say it but um, the talent coming through people working hard with good coaches in the club good administrators you know and um, the game was growing in popularity and then all the provinces started doing well 
um, Munster winning Heineken Cups and Leinster URCs or what, what, Pro 12s, 14s, Pro 16. I don't know how many times it's changed, but uh, all the clubs had done well. Ulster won the European Cup, you know, so there was quite a lot of success on the island um, and the national team started doing well. So it was a good time to be involved as a, as a coach. So, yeah, so I enjoyed that and um, up to the point where I just genuinely felt I wanted, wanted to have a change. Yeah, it's um, something you said there. I, I think it's interesting when you're like saying how you relate to folks and kind of, I don't know, for words, you're kind of like getting stressed or oh, it's not working out and whatever. But then when you just relax and just things fall, things come your way. Yeah. I found that as well. Like I found that, yeah, when you just uh, like, yes, you want to uh, get to a next level. You're you're ambitious and you work hard, but you're not stressed about when it'll happen. You you're relaxed in that sense. Then mm. things come your way. Yeah, like as I said, like. Uh, I was I was quite um, I didn't know what the next step was and that is something I've always I've always been a doer I've always worked at something um, so to not have something around the corner that was that was a challenge personal mm, challenge it was, yeah. it was it was um, now in, in hindsight it, it was a great challenge um, but yeah it was uh, at the time I remember I'd walk the dog and then the phone rang and it was like I'm not answering it and then I rang the second time and you're like that's weird, you know. It's mm. weird. So we we had um, st- stop worrying about things. I suppose it's probably the things. It's easier said than done. But um, yeah, I was kind of I was worried. I was worried about what's the next step. I had a young family with a mortgage. My wife, um, had my son, and uh, you're like, what do I do next? Kind of thing. And and um, as I said, I'd been in the business world, and it was fine to go in and out for a couple of days and help people advice and what do you do in the sporting world. But they're quite different, I suppose. Uh, the big difference between the sporting world and the business world is is the HR. You know, you can you can genuinely get across the red tape very quickly in a professional environment. So if I have something to discuss with you, I have to get it done. Um, whereas in the corporate side of things, where I was there, there's there's a little bit more, not a little bit, there's a whole lot more um, barriers that you have to overcome. Um, and that's where the trust in the sporting environment is massive. If you can you can negate that very quickly, you can just get to the point. Um, I get off my chest, you get off your chest, and we, we agree somewhere in the middle so we can move forward. And that's uh, in a sporting environment that happens daily, whereas in a business environment, it's it's quite quite protracted. It's slower, much much slower. There's a lot more things that can you can and can't say. I suppose you know if you heard what was said in the changing room to a corporate room, probably um, you probably had a few court cases. I'd imagine you know. Yeah, no, for sure. But it's um, it's interesting that uh, like difficult conversations they have to happen. And like I know exactly what you mean. They don't happen in the corporate world so much, but um, and they're sometimes not easy. You know, mm. like it's, I just know like getting feedback. Like I'm always trying to get feedback, but it's still even when I get it, I'm like, yeah, as for this, Brian, like just breathe, <laughs> just breathe. You know, someone's saying you you could have yeah. done this better, and they're you know just you know, but it's uh, yeah, you need to hear it. You do, and I suppose the base. The interesting is it. I suppose under pressure is probably the best best learning. When you reflect, like I've had a couple of years in a career where things haven't gone well for for whatever reason, but um, at the time it feels like you're drowning, you know. And um, but after the fact, when you get a bit of time to reflect on that, like they're gold, like they're genuinely gold. And um, I suppose the support network is something that um, if you don't have it, you should probably think about it if you're in professional sport. You need us genuinely people that, you know, that, that uh, give you really good feedback that's accurate um, and delivered in the right way is a big one. You know, you can you can kick someone when they're having a tough time and 
you can do lasting damage, you know. So um, it's the same with a player, go through confidence periods and you're going, right, throw petrol on this now because it's on fire, he's flying it. And then you're gonna, you'll just see a glimpse of something he needs to be careful now because everything he's touching has turned to gold and you're like, that's going to be a challenge for him now when things change, like he's deselected or he's injured or whatever. So you're trying to, I suppose, prepare them sometimes for that uh, too without kind of being a complete killjoy either. You know what I mean? Um, when people are on fire, just keep going. Brilliant, you're awesome. But then you must have a good network around you to keep you grounded, I suppose, is probably the biggest thing. And that, for me, is is um, is crucial. My family are awesome. I, you know, it's... Um, Good friends that just you know great friends I should say not good great friends um, they keep you balanced and keep you keep you down you know so um, yeah so they're all moving all moving in the right path now so yeah, yeah not gonna not gonna tweak it good stuff and uh, you know the Tongan experience I was in with the New Zealand Maori under eighteen camp here recently and similarish like you're saying just kind of similar cultures and what you're saying there of how the camp went but. It had me thinking back to when I was, say, in Irish underage camps and uh, just, you know, they're very relaxed. Oh, sorry, the Maoris and what I hear, Tongans. And in Ireland, it seems very uh, not relaxed. When yeah. I was there, that's, te- that's years yeah, and years yeah. ago. And I think the Irish culture in general, like, we're not, I don't think we're so relaxed when it comes to high performance yeah it's 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 evolved it has evolved i suppose like i was i was fortunate enough to be involved with, um with ireland since 2002 or three i think it was i can't remember the exact year mm-hmm. but till 07 09 and then 09 i was back again till let's say up to yeah. very very recently but um that has evolved people are more comfortable being themselves now but yeah. yes yes and yes um people can help but when it's turn time to, to come to be on in the irish system that I left was very much people can do that all the provinces all the all the international teams can go from relaxed Relax. be yourself to being on so you can perform mm. the time to be yourself is yourself and then at the appropriate time then they can flick a switch and that, that's the credit to the people that are involved in the game back there the players and the staff um, at all levels it's it's in a great space but uh, like some of the players that, that worked with Tonga are genuine world class players you know and um but just it was a very different way of doing things. A very passionate, very very um, very caring of the group. Spend a lot of time with each other. Um, you know the group is really important, and uh, it was just brilliant to be part of it. Genuinely brilliant to be part of it, and that's probably what I was missing. You know, and not missing, but um, after a while, I'd been eight or nine years, I think, in kind of connect at that stage, and you're like, I just needed to to do something different and see something different whatever that that was I had no idea sorry I thought I had yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and it didn't happen I you know, had but, really no idea but that is um, yeah, that, that's part of it you know and I've, I spoke to a coach last week before we flew here um, the same thing happened to him you know so um, had discussions very advanced and then it didn't happen and he was like what do I do now and then all of a sudden people then think well maybe there's something wrong with him why hasn't he got a job and yeah. as you said there's only 60 gigs so um, or whatever the number is it'll be interesting to find that out but uh, there's, you may go a period of one season two seasons three seasons and then you're like then you're cast aside um, or it's something I believe that's, that's, that works really well on this island is when the coaches do go away they keep track and um, keep the relationship keep the comms open and um, you know stay in touch you know, what have you learned well, and that's so that you can bring your information back to your homeland or whatever it is but uh, 
yeah, it's a it's a good it's a good bit of it. Ireland have that system in place now, which is good, you know. So still keep in touch with the lads and uh, keep chatting about rugby and, and life. And um, but I think it is it's after some of those failings you have your best learnings, you know. And it's it'd be a waste of experience to not uh, I suppose capitalize on that. You know, you have a person that has had success, and then I suppose what is failure or what is a a bit of a blip. But thereafter, there has to be some growth, you know. And, um, I think there's, there's, there's massive learnings in that, especially when someone's having a tough time. Massive learnings after. When you can actually reflect and go, well, what happened? Why? How would you deal with it? Blah, blah, blah. And then you can pass that information on to somebody else, you know. So, um, yeah, I still keep in touch with quite a few of the younger coaches back home and they'd pick your brains on X, Y, and Z and what happens in this situation. And so, well, I had that in 2011. Da, da, da. This happened. So it's nice to be able to share, but... Until you go through it yourself, it's not really tangible. <laughs> you, mm. know, you might hear all these advices, and it's no use until you hit the fog, and then, then it's useful. You know. Yeah, you hear it. It's ah, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> ah, he's just whatever. I'll be grand. Exactly, and then you get the phone call. Yes, by that stage, the horse is bolted. You know, so um, yeah. Look, it's uh, it's, it, I suppose it's um, it's ever changing. You know, it's, it's genuinely ever changing, but it keeps you young. You gotta love doing it. I, I do love doing it, and uh, you work with great people, genuinely great people. Um, you know, to get to the level that they're at, they've obviously got ability, um, and it's just making sure you try and point that in the right direction and make sure you fit in and, I suppose, maximise the potential. Really, I suppose. Yeah, good stuff. Um, last one. What has uh, been the most enjoyable period of your coaching career? Oh, um, trying to think. I genuinely loved loved working in Connacht in Ireland. That was that was brilliant. Um, for that that period in, in my life, and then um, getting out into say doing the Irish Twenties again and doing the doing the Tonga experience and uh, and being now in Perth in Western Australia, going from uh, where we're at home in Perth first week to over to Melbourne to back to home, and now we're in Invercargill, um, heading to Auckland and heading up to um, up to play the Hurricanes at the back end of this this block. So. I suppose I'd be reluctant to say one period. Mm. Um, genuinely, all of it, it's, it's been a, a great life, not, not alone for me, but for, for my family. And this, we've, we've now seen loads of parts of the world. We've, we've been in competitions that we've won and we've been in competitions that we've lost, you know. So, um, yeah, the journey, the people you meet, I suppose, is probably the biggest part. Um, like, it's quite a small network, you know, even in Europe it is. You know, but now it's lovely to be over this side of the world. I think that's that, for me, has been been really cool just uh coming to this part of the world and, and and meeting a whole different bunch of people and different cultures you know so um i have to say all of it mm. <laughs> it sounds, yeah, sounds yeah. i don't offend no. any but genuinely it's been uh, it's been a cool journey yeah cool class brilliant stuff well hey thanks for your time Anytime. and uh it's been brilliant no worries but Cheers for listening in today. Would you do me a favor now and send the podcast on to some friends or into your WhatsApp group? That takes less than 30 seconds, but I would hugely appreciate it because that's how the podcast grows and how more people get value from it. If you're an ambitious player, serious about getting to your next level and would like to feel more confident, enthusiastic and certain of success, Get in touch through my website offfieldrugby.com and we'll sort a time to chat over Zoom. Everyone understands the importance of getting help with your physical development through an SNC coach, 
and the best players in the world understand the importance of getting help with your mental development through a mental skills coach. So don't be worrying about your future. Don't be hoping that you're doing the right stuff and hoping that things will work out. Get in touch. We'll work together monthly and you will love how much better you feel. You'll love how certain you'll feel about where you're going, about your future and how much more confidence you will have in yourself. Or if you're a coach and you would like to give your team an edge out there in the field, then get in touch through the website as well. And we can chat about how we can help your team through a Zoom session. You know, it's funny. I've been there myself as a coach. You spend ages working on a play or a call that they mightn't even do or it doesn't come off. So essentially that's all time wasted. But you do one mental skills session with your team and they learn tools and strategies to deal with nerves, have more confidence and self-belief and instantly their performances can go up 10, 20, 30% each. You add all those percentages across a whole squad and it's literally a complete game changer for your team and your players will be so thankful to you and you look great. So yeah, if you're a coach, get in touch via offfieldrugby.com and you and I can have a chat over the phone to suss where your team is at and what they kind of need. I'll link all my socials below, at offfieldrugby for Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Brian Moylet for LinkedIn. Add me there so we can stay in touch. And hey, thanks again for spending some time with me today. I hope you're keeping well. Have a good one. Cheers.